It's international baseball season, so we've gone straight to the top of the tree and uh, lined up some time with Australian senior team head coach, Dave Nielsen. Dave, welcome along. Thanks for joining us. Stuart, great to be here. I've uh, been listening in the past and I'm, I'm feel privileged to be part of it now. Well, I appreciate that. The first person who's ever said they've been they've felt privileged, so I'm going to put that on the tally board. Um, now, the real reason for uh, our conversation today is the under-23 national team is about to shoot off um, to uh, to Asia to play in the in the World Cup. We recently had the under-18 World Cup, so I really want to spend a bit of time talking about that. But I suppose before we launch into that, where most of uh, today's conversation will be... Um, the other, the other national team that's really starting to come together with a series of lead-up matches and, and um, a contest against uh, Japan is the is the senior national team. So I'd be really keen for you to sort of talk about how you start pulling that squad together, where those players are coming from, and, and what the preparation will start to look like and when it really ramps up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's been such a long time since the senior team has been together, you know, it goes all the way back to 2019, which just seems like eternity ago. We we had a bit of success and, and we had a few victories at the Premier 12 in Tokyo, and that was, you know, no, November of 2019. So we're heading off to Japan again. We have an exhibition series this November. It's going to be you know, 22, so that's three years. We, we missed out on an Olympic qualifier. We missed out on, um, you know, that postponed the World Baseball Classic in 21 and, and, so this will be the first real time um, we get together in three years, and and on one hand it's really sad because we had a, a lot of a lot of the older players who really made a big contribution to the sport of baseball by by their their effort in the national team, and they probably didn't get the the real acknowledgement on their way out that they should have <clears throat> just just because of COVID, and and so I'm sort of at a, a new starting point where the, the team sort of gets rolled over. We got some new guys coming in. Not normally I like to in a perfect world to transition it but um you know with COVID having that big break of almost three years um you know guys are just going to be picked and and chosen and, and we're starting that process of developing the team unit again well this is an opportunity i suppose to thank some of those senior guys that had to transition out who in particular who were some of the sort of contributors who have been loyal servants to the game for australia that are probably not going to go around again you want to drop some names and and, and mention some of those people Oh my! I do. I have absolute fear. I'm going to forget one. Oh no, person. no, no! We'll just so do it. We'll do it. We'll just um, do a highlights <laughs> package here. Not. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't try and get everyone. Yeah. Look. No, look. I, I think you know you have your, your Luke Hughes and your Alan D. San Miguel, um, Dushan Ruzik, Ryan Stoll, Peter Moylan. Um, you know, you, you go through the, the roster like that. David Sutherland and and uh, a few of the other guys that again, I'm sure I've missed out on a few, but. Um, Ideally, you know, the players get a chance to to, to, to to just be acknowledged as they leave. And, um, you know, that's a tough thing. So as small as it may be, hopefully they're listening and then, you know, they understand um, in a perfect world we could have, you know, given given them a better better exit from the national team, but it hasn't worked out. So, um, you know, it's created more opportunity for other guys and now we just start looking forward. There's a couple of old war horses you mentioned there, Peter Moylan and Luke Hughes, who have, yeah. um, you know, Played in the green and gold for a number of years. How do you go about? Like, how do you go about as as a head coach selecting a national team? You're just looking for guys who are still playing professional baseball, or you know, I'm always fascinated into how you construct a, a team. Obviously, the challenge being that 
if you're a professional pitcher in particular, there's limits on how many how many pitches you can throw in innings you can um, can offer up. But yeah, I'm really fascinated in how you go about selecting a senior team. Yeah, it's a, it's a really complex um, journey to, to to finally select a team. You know, you start out with your, your larger pool of athletes that uh, you know start with the older, mature guys who, when they were younger, played professional baseball, come back and continue to develop in the Australian Baseball League, and now they're really hungry. They're older. They got a lot more wisdom, understanding about the game. Um, you know, they got a lot more skin in the game. So, you know, they're really motivated. You you've got the younger athlete that's just starting his professional journey, um, and then you've got the guys that are just battling in the middle. And, you know, I think the one thing from my point of view is is I need to I need to feel convinced that they're they're all in. I need to feel convinced that whatever stage of their their life that for that that period that we're talking about being selected that. You know, it's not just it's not just you know them them talking to me and saying it. That I actually look at their life and I look at what they're doing and their commitment to the to the the, the game of baseball at that period. And I really feel like they're they're in a position um, to help the senior team. And you know, when when anyone comes to the senior team, you know, they really got to bring the best version of themselves. You know, so when you're the national coach, it's, it's a real privilege. There's a lot of tough decisions you have to make, but um, it really is enjoyable because, you know, for the short time I get them together, I'm getting the best version of that athlete. And, and that's a real, you know, that's a really unique thing to be around to see a large group of guys trying to be the best they can be. You know, so it really comes from all different areas. I have to navigate. I have to have approvals from professional clubs. You know, from a health point of view, they have to be healthy, um, have to be available. And it's a really long process. It's, it's, it's months of, six, eight, 12 months of planning for, you know, for a, a two-week event sometimes. And along the way, there's uh, curveballs thrown at you, there's injuries thrown at you, there's retirement thrown at you. And, um, you know, you, you just have to evolve. But, but again, finding players motivated to play for their countries, <laughs> my experience shows it's pretty, it's, there's, there's a lot of guys out there lined up wanting, wanting to play for Australia. Speaking of curveballs, I was going to save this question for a bit later on, but you sort of touched on the the topic, so I'm going to plough ahead with it and catch you off guard here a little bit. But you know, you've obviously been involved with Australian teams as a player, coach, and manager, and and many years we sort of go into tournaments thinking, oh, we're a real chance here. Uh, other years mm, we might be a bit down, and 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 then there's years where the result surprises us. In your experience, what has the teams that have had success, what has been the common denominator? Why has that team had success? I think across the board, to a degree, they've had really good preparation, whether that's been collectively as a group or individually. I think the teams that the Australian teams that I've played on that have had bits of success, I, I reflect, and again, whether individually or collectively, we've had really good preparation. I think um, there's a belief, and, and not the rah-rah belief, I think there's a belief within the group that they have an understanding of what, what needs to happen. They have a real respect for the opposition and know, know it's going to be really tough, but they really have a belief and an understanding and a real knowledge of, of what needs to happen in the tournament. Um, you know, and, and, and um, they seem to be the two, the two things that I reflect on. Obviously, you need a base, base talent, but in tournament, in tournament um, play, we have enough talent, you know. We have enough talent in our country to compete with all teams in the world. Um, obviously, we don't have the depth of athletes, so mm. 
you know, injuries and availability is something that's really crucial um, to selecting a team, and it do- that doesn't always line up for us. Um, and then the main thing, when all that happens, is, is the preparation, just getting that preparation right, um, getting guys just peaked at that right time is, you know, that that's really the, the thing that I put most of my focus on, and it's very, it's very hard to navigate that. It's interesting, and this is where I want to sort of steer us into the um, under-23 national team, is in chatting to the head coach of the under-18 national team, it, he believed or or his sense was you could tell from this World Cup that these players hadn't been exposed to the level of competition because of COVID. Um, so, so from a preparation perspective, they did everything they could, but there just wasn't that, um, you know, life, real, real-time baseball experience. I suppose the difference with the squad you're about to take away, which we can unpack shortly, is most of these players have either just just finishing up professional um, seasons or uh, are in college baseball. So that probably helps the preparation side of things. Um, be really interested to sort of now dive into that squad and um, kind of talk about how this team was brought together um, and how you anticipate them performing at, at this World Cup, which is interesting in that I was just chatting to someone else from Baseball Australia prior to this call, and I was like, oh, there's no Canada and uh, America in this tournament. And he said, oh, yeah, as my kid highlighted to me, players like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and, and uh, Julio Rodriguez, who are kind of superstars at the major league level, would be eligible for this. So it's probably not worth <laughs> sending sending a US team along um, just or, or some of those teams along just because the the standard is just ridiculous. But yeah, I'd really interested to know from a preparation perspective. You know, you don't have the benefit of a you know a, a week or two long camp with this team. How do you pull this team together, and how do you see the preparation in the lead up? Yeah, it's it's a really key question. But before I answer it, I just I just want to touch quickly on on what you said about the under 18s and, and Andy Cole. That was such a tough that was such a tough ask for the Australian team, as you said, coming off of COVID very limited preparation um, individually for the last few years for, for these athletes, not much world travel. So very limited in their experience. So, uh, you know, in a lot of ways that was Andy Cole just having a chance to get together with a group of guys for the first time and really start building a program. So I hope all the, all the supporters and the, the fans following that team aren't too disheartened by the performance. So obviously we'd like to have more wins and have better individual performances, but it was a really tough, it's just such a tough task that Andy and that whole coaching staff had. So um, having said that, flirting, uh, moving on to the under-23s, it's a different user group, as you said. Um, I have a lot of guys that, that have been around the world the last few years, whether it be in college or whether it be in, in the lower levels of minor league baseball. Some of them have had you know a little bit of time in the ABL. So my, the group I have is a little bit more prepared in that sense the last few years, but but we still have a lot of a lot of obstacles to navigate. Um, when I look at just the, the immediate um, obstacles we've had the last four months, putting this this group together, the biggest thing is the month of November is a really, um, oh, sorry, the month of October. It's a really challenging month for this age group because you talk about uh, a lot of our um, more well known players. It's the end of their professional season, so for most pitchers at the end of a professional season, most of them are going to be shut down. You know, and, and that was the case for us with 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 the Gesner and, and, and Winyard and and um, Lachlan and you know the list goes on. There's a lot of 
current professionals, I was really excited about having the opportunity, but but not surprised that they weren't available. Um, you know, so that creates opportunity for, for other pitchers in college and, and domestically back here in Australia. From a position player point of view, we're very lucky. Normally position players, um, major league clubs allow them to go play because position players need more reps. And, and we have that situation. We have such a, you know, one of the most talented teams I've seen in a long time from position players that I'm, I'm excited about. We have a group of young guys that, that if they do the right things, work hard and keep the focus, you know, they have the potential to be, be in the green and gold for, you know, for a, a very long time if, if things keep evolving. Disappointed, uh, probably our best player, Curtis Mead, you know, um, played at the Futures All-Star game this year in Los Angeles, um, you know, had a great year, ended up in AAA, probably right on the brink of a, of a, of a major league call-up. Um, you know the Rays uh, withheld him out. He's been shut down this off season. He's having he's having a rehabbing his right elbow and and, and uh, recently had to sit out some of the Triple A season. So as much as you love to have Curtis, um, kind of I kind of saw that coming. So that that's not a surprise. But you know the group we have: the Alex Hall, Rickson, Wingrove, um, Jared Dale, Dermot Fritz, Solomon Maguire, B.J. Cook. You know Travis Bizzano, who's just doing a great job in in the college and Jalen Ray and, and the names just go, go on and on from a position um, player point of view, Chris Burke um, with the Phillies and uh, Mitch Edwards formerly with the Phillies. So we have this really unique position player group. Um, I, this part of me doesn't know how it's going to come together because of COVID. Um, you know, we're, it's still going to be a bit of a bubble situation. Um, as you, as you mentioned, we, when we don't have any pre-camp, um, we're, we're pulling guys all together from around the world, and and the month of November is uh, October has been a really difficult month. It's it's right before um, the Australian senior team goes to Japan in November with another tournament in late October. We're, we're looking at playing in the senior team, and a lot of these players are from there. They've just finished their minor league season, so they're right at that stage where they want to take a break and shut down. Um, and probably the, the the fan or the supporter at home would go, well, they've, they've got three weeks to take a break, but they can't turn off. They've got to keep mm-hmm. going. They've got to keep the skill sets working. So it can be a bit of a long season for them. Um, and then, you know, on the back, that's the ABL. Uh, so, so navigating this time of the year with the with the major league clubs and, and all the universities in, in um, Japan and USA, it's taken a lot of work, a lot of effort. And, and uh, you know, we got there, though. We've got a, we've got a really... A really good, exciting team that, as I said, you know, as the head coach of the senior team, um, to, to also be overviewing this program, it really helps me when I look at 24 and 28 or even 32, um, just to really get a feel and, and um, allow me to continue to build relationships with these players and, and have them learn what what I'm about and how I like to prepare the team and, and how we like to do it. Um, no, no event is, is ever perfect. No tournament's ever perfect in your preparation and, and the lead up. But um, every team's every team is the same. Every team from every country is the same. You have obstacles. If you want to be the best in the world, you've got to overcome obstacles. If you want to have a performance at at any international event, you, you've got to overcome obstacles. And you know, one of the first things I'll say to the team is, there's plenty of excuses out there that you can lean on if you want it. You know, they're they're out there. There's all sort of excuses as to why you're not going to perform, but to to be a good team on the world stage at an international event, you, you need to find a way to put that to the side and 
focus on winning and focus on performing the best you can. I, I, there's about a thousand questions I want to ask you on some of the stuff you just said then, so I'm going to try and pick them off. <laughs> and they, they may not be in a logical order here, but one of the things that I just scribbled down to ask you is you mentioned this dearth of talent with position players and we're going to get completely inside how the sausage is made here. How do you put a how do you put a batting lineup together? I'm, I'm fascinated to know. Like, obviously, you can go and look at performance across the season, but you know, you've got. I think you guys get on the plane on the tenth, and the tournament starts on the fourteenth. How as the manager do you look at this group and go, "Well, you're going to hit here, you're going to hit there." What do you base that on? And uh, obviously, you tinker with it across the tournament. But yeah, how do you put a batting lineup together with this level of talent? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of it's, it's a great question. I think it's. It's a bit of crystal ball gazing, really, isn't it? It's trying to, it's trying to find that right recipe, that right, the, the way that they're all going to mix. I, I like to, um, I like to speak to every individual, see if they have a favourite spot in the lineup. That's where I start from. Um, that doesn't normally <laughs> help, but but you know, I know as a former player that there there's some there's some parts of the lineup I preferred hitting in. So um, I'll start there with the guys, and and it's just like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. Um, there's no perfect recipe. Um, I think, again, if you could get together for two or three weeks in the lead-up, I think I'd have a better idea then. But, um, you know, right now we don't know who the pitchers, who we're going to be facing, what we're going to be doing. So I, I don't I don't want to downplay it. I don't put too much effort into that. That's probably um, at the moment that, that I think about at this stage. I'll probably... Um, tra- transfer into that headspace a couple of days out from the first game. You know, I look at guys and I just look at their skill sets. You've got your Rich Wingrove who has power driving runs and you have Jared Dale who does all sort of things, runs for speed. Same with Travis Pizana, Solomon Maguire. So I'm not, I'm not really going to get too ahead of myself, but um, if I could w- work out that formula or if you have that formula, I'm more than happy to to take it from you, I, I do not have that formula. Don't uh, don't worry about that. Um, the other bit that I I just always end up talking to coaches about is the management of a pitching staff across a, a tournament. You you know you've you've got a finite number of arms. You know there are a. It's not like a junior tournament where every hitter can also pitch. Like these are you take a pitching staff, you take an offensive lineup. What what goes into preparing? the coaching staff and the playing group to sort of manage the innings across the tournament. And, and you're obviously dealing with – this is people's careers for the most part. Like every one of these guys for the most part is either playing professional baseball or college baseball and, and you know, their arm is their asset. How do you – how as a staff do you manage workload across the tournament? Yeah, well, the first priority, as, as you touched on, is their health. And uh, so the first thing you establish is what their – uh, workload, what they're capable of, and you know, in a lot of cases, what they're approved to do. You take two examples of of uh, Blake Townsend coming off a season, and the Seattle Mariners have been fantastic, letting us have him. Um, but he's coming off a season, so so he's allowed to pitch, but it has daily restrictions. And if you do so many days in a row, we've got to give him a certain amount of rest. And then you'll have college pitchers who are just, you know, they're they're getting ready to start their season in November. December, they're coming off of their off season where they're trying to ramp up. So we're trying to manage all different all different workloads, um, and, and so individually, you 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 um, you find out through their their coaches, through the, through the player, through uh, the organisations what the agreed um, restrictions are. You know, so then you get the big list of of I think I have twelve or thirteen pitches, and 
we send out the survey, we, we compile the survey of who can do what on what day and, and, and again, then, then you start trying to put that jigsaw jigsaw um, puzzle together. It's nothing like professional baseball where, you know, here's, here's my starter for game one, two, three and four. Um, you know, we play four days in a row, have a day off, play another game. There are only seven inning games in these tournaments too. So um, most guys are only going to pitch one or two innings at a time. Uh, and, and again, if I if I could tell you now how to patch it all together at this stage, a couple of weeks out, I'd, I'd be lying. But it's a one hundred percent. It's the main focus for any manager, any head coach of of a team is managing the pitching staff. That's where a large part of the the success of the team evolves around um, getting the the coaching staff involved. I've got Shane Watson involved, um, Jim Bennett. And um, Josh Spence, who has been working with the Brewers this this year, he's he's coming on board. So again, we'll communicate with the players, try to get a feel for what their comfort zone is, try to get a feel as we discuss with them as to where they think their best matchups are, um, and then ultimately take all that information and we again we put that jigsaw puzzle together and hope that it it works. You know, hope that that everyone. Um, um, just benefits from each other and and it all works together so that's how that works and and um, you know you put your best plan together and then a lot of times after an inning or two it all straight out the window it all goes in a different direction <laughs> yeah the uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to sort of see a tentative roster for the team and I'm not 100% sure that it, the final team's released but the one thing that stood out and we've talked about it on other podcasts is you know there's there's probably less Australian kids signing but there's certainly more Australian kids going to play college baseball. Um, what do you, from a talent perspective, what are you seeing? You know these these college bound players and these these kids who are playing college baseball. How are they stacking up against um, the the professional Australian players? And is it is it a genuine development path for Australian baseball players? Which is really interesting to hear your thoughts on on the talent levels as a as a coach who's sitting uh, atop it all uh, you know is this is this a viable pathway for young players to pursue if professional baseball is not an option at 16 17 18 in the first instance well if we work backwards you know as the national coach I, I think that 26 27 28 year olds i think that's where they're reaching their potential i think as australian players that's where we're going to get to really start to see the best of who they are so the discussion is about how they're going to get there you know mm. some will as you said, some will, some will take that, that college pathway. Some will have the opportunity to jump straight into pro ball. A lot of it depends around, you know, how they've, how they've physically and, and emotionally developed as teenagers. So there is no one formula that works. Um, and so, again, the, the main point is just to try to help them where they're at. Um, so I, I don't really have a take one way or the other, whether it's professional baseball is the best journey or whether, um, you know, going to college – it's a, it's a real individual um, family decision as to, to what they think they're going to do. But again, when you come out of college, you're still only 22 or 23 year old. Mm. For me, you're still four, you're still four or five years away from, from um, you still have to continue developing. And I think that's one of the misunderstandings is we, we get these great young players coming out of college. They're not even scratching the surface. You know, a lot of them are, are still having trouble competing in the Australian baseball league out of college. Um, you know, against the older guys, it's not about the talent level. It's about learning the understanding of the game, experience that goes uh, in, into winning. Because the higher up you go in baseball or in any sport, 
the less it becomes about development, the more it becomes about winning today. And and when you're talking about the Australian senior team, it's about one thing. It's about performance. It's about getting a performance. It's about winning games, performing at a tournament, and then you know. So it's how the players get there. So I don't I don't have a I don't really have a take on it. I think I think we're doing some great things in our development pathways. I think we're creating all sort of opportunities in colleges, junior colleges. Um, there's far more opportunities than there were in the past. Uh, we still have we still have young players signing contracts. Um, so for me, I, I think we're on a good pathway, and I, I like what I see. The interesting, um, I suppose, the, the bit you touch on is that sort of twenty-five to twenty-eight, which is arguably as it's the age where. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball players are hitting their prime. That's where you see the big numbers. How do you transition you know, youngsters from this team? What is that transition process like from players in this under-23 team to the national team? Will you have some guys on this team who will be elbowing their way onto the senior team? Or, you know, there's obviously some players who are already on the senior team. But like of this group, how many could you see in the next two to three years making their way onto the, to the senior team? Well, I think a large portion of them are capable of it. So... Mm. Everyone that's coming to this under twenty three tournament, I look at, and at some stage, I can see them playing on the senior team. Mm. It goes back to my comment before: it's how they, how they get there. Mm. Now, some some might get there when they're twenty six years old. Some might get there when they're twenty three. That that's that's not my that's not my um my, my main focus as a national coach. I just want to help everyone individually where they're at. And you know, some players may not get there till they're twenty eight or twenty nine because there's different parts of their development. That they they've learned at, a, at an older age, so um, it doesn't matter for the Australian senior team, which is all about performing. How old you are or how young you are, it's about whether you can perform. I think there's a real adjustment going from you know the development stage of the the, the teenager to the young adult in your early twenties, where you know in mid twenties, where teams are really cautious of overloading you and, and working you, and, and they get in this this development mode of, well, I'm throwing 40 pitches a day, or I'm doing this today. And and the last thing they're really focused on is is, is the game, the out, um, winning, winning the game aspect of it. And that's a different world. You know, that's that's a different world. Uh, how, how do you prepare someone who's playing single A or double A or wherever they're at? And even though they're playing 160 games a year or 150 games a year, they're around professional athletes. How do you prepare them for a Tokyo Dome on a Friday night in front of 45,000 people playing against Team Japan. There's aspects of that environment that they, have, they know nothing about. They know nothing about. Um, and, and that comes through age. It comes through being exposed to when you're younger. And that, that's a very volatile environment. And, um, and and for the most part, you know, your talent, your, everyone that goes there has a base talent level, but for the most part, it's what's between the ears that's going to help you survive in that environment. The... Um I'm just interested to know as well, and I realise I've said the word interested a lot, but I've got a bunch of questions I want to sort of throw at you. Um, from an ABL perspective, like what what sort of testing ground, and it's not to denigrate the ABL, but I just, I'm quite um, – I'd, I'd really like your opinion on what's the talent level like at the ABL in terms of preparing these players to – and I, and I completely understand at, at an international senior team – you know, the Japanese national team is just at a different level. But is the ABL a, a viable testing ground for these athletes to, to prepare themselves and to be ready for uh, international competition such as this under-23 tournament? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, for most young professionals, the ABL is – it's tough on them. 
you know, it, it takes them a few years to learn that they, they go play single A and they think they're around incredible athletes. They come back and, you know, they're playing against some pretty salty veterans that have, a, again, they're physically mature. They've been through all the battles and, and again, so it's, it's a different, it's a different environment. Um, absolutely. There's, there's plenty of upside in the, in, in the Australian baseball league because it's a win league for the most part. Mm. Um, there's a lot of young players that, that they get to play. Um, they get to play and they get to develop and they get to take their bumps and their bruises. And, you know, all the fans are crying out for, we want to see the next, the next wave of kids. We love to see the, the future players and it is good, but you know, you, you, you learn from being around the older guys, you know, the old teach the young, that's just how it works. Um, and then, so I, I see, I see a lot of upside to the ABL, you know, it has some days where it's, it's really beneficial and, like any league, you watch it some days, you see all the warts and all the ugly parts to it. But overall, it's it's a great, for me as a national coach, it's a proving ground. Yeah, as I said, I, I want to see the best version of the athletes on the national team. And if, if you're playing in the ABL and you're not in some way dominating, um, it's hard for me to even comprehend putting you on the national team. You have to show me some special, special source or some special ability you have whether it's mental or physical, that you can repeat and that you're going to be trusted on a, on a big stage. That's the answer I was after. Thank you very much. Um, now, I wanted to just kind of specifically um, ask you some questions about this tournament. Um, Australia is in Group B by the looks of things. Um, some of the names in that group, uh, Korea is probably um, the highest-ranked team in that group. You miss Japan and Taipei. Um, who are in Group A. But from a, a, a tournament perspective, what's the approach? You obviously want to win every game, but and, and obviously you, um, you, know, you, you prepare to, to win the games you need to win and then you sometimes roll the dice with others and hope you can steal one. But you know, how, how do you see yourself positioned in that group and what teams are you um, think you can go toe-to-toe with? And obviously don't want you to make big grand predictions that can <laughs> come back at you, but... You know, how do you how do you line this tournament group up, and and which are the wins that you think you should be able to get, and who are the teams you're really going to have to dig in against? Well, you know, p- people don't like this answer, but there's only one team I'm really consumed with, and that's that's my team. That's I'm, I'm consumed with trying to get the guys ready, and and that's going to be where 95 percent of my focus is going to go, whether it's the senior team or whether it's ABL team or whether it's under 23 national team. That's you have to have your team prepared. And then the second part of it is you look across, you know, you look at the schedule, see who you're playing. We don't know at this stage who the rosters are. You know, we're, we're 10 days out before we leave or nine days out before we get on a plane. And we still don't know who the rosters are. So at this stage, there's not too much concern. Again, as we get closer to game time, you know, that that focus on the other team is going to be, you know, it's going to be narrowed in. There's going to, we're going to be trying to identify as much as we can, but, at this age group, there's a lot of variables, so I, I don't, I don't think there's a team that I'm overly concerned around. But um, and there's, there's definitely not a team I put a line through and say, oh, we should beat that team. Mm. I think that would be a grave mistake doing that. I think, you know, I, I think, you know, 22 year old men, you know, 18, 19, 20, 22 year old men, they have a lot of ability, as you as you were saying earlier, and um, they're capable of a lot of things. You, you don't know. Um, you just don't know how people are going to perform. So from my point of view, put all of our effort in preparing our own team, get our own players to execute whatever skill they need, whatever position they need to do, 
And I, I have a real true belief and it's unwavering belief that if, if, if our, our players can perform, if our pitchers can, can pitch to their ability and if, if they can control their heart rate and they can control their mind in, in the environment that they're, they're not used to, um, we're going to have a real good chance of success. That's, that's where all the focus is, is, is just developing and uh, focusing our athletes and trying to, trying to learn to be comfortable um, when they're really uncomfortable in a situation like that. That's a very diplomatic answer, but it actually got me thinking because I was going to ask you about how, how do you forward plan or scout opposition, but in a tournament like this where you're sort of there four days before the tournament starts, it's probably very hard to come across data. So um, your your answer, I suppose, is like if the team does what it's supposed to do, it sort of beats scouting reports, et cetera, et cetera. Is there any way to get any sort of insight into – your oppositions and their strengths and weaknesses, or is it is it pretty challenging in this environment? And you just sort of go at them with the best stuff you've got. It's very challenging, um, and again, you, you give every effort you have once you once you see the rosters. But it's a great conversation, and as an athlete, you need to learn to use your eyes to profile. And I'm always talking. It seems to be a, a subject of conversation for me now with with this generation of player because they're so data driven and they're so. They want to know what the technology says, which is absolutely fantastic. The reports are fantastic. Everything, all the information they get is fantastic. But you can use your eyes to profile. There are hundreds of major league players in the Hall of Fame who had high levels of success and never had a scouting port, never, never had any data thrown at them. They had to use their eyes. Um, and I can give you an example. On the senior team, we, we had a, a young professional player who the opposition team brought in a pitcher and he stood there with his back to the pitcher wanting to see the report. Now, he could have seen three or four warm-up pitches and realised that that guy was a two-pitch pitcher and what he pitched like. But he was so concerned on seeing the, what the what the printout and what the reports were and I thought that was a really good snapshot of, of some of the obstacles these days. So when we go into these tournaments, players need to learn to... Um, profile they need to learn that what pitches look like and and how to do that and again not use excuses because we don't know who they are um again teams have won gold medals teams have won championships not knowing who the opposition is so all those excuses they just got to go out the door and you got to go play and you got to learn how to how to perform um whether you know the player or whether you don't know the player you've touched on some really interesting stuff there which is just that that age and experience, the ability to trust that you've done the preparation that will allow you to succeed um, and and cut away the crutches, you know, like that's the um, – baseball such a superstitious sport and I, I can – I don't make fun of it because I was the type of guy who had so many superstitions that I forgot the first ones that I had, which caused me even more mental problems. But um, – you know, like it's just that, well, I do this so that I'm ready to do that and, and sometimes you thrust into situations where there is no backup plan and you just got to go at it. So I think you made some really interesting points there around um, you know, part of the skill at, at being successful at baseball is that ability to adapt and, and to trust that you've done the work that will see you through anyway. So, uh, yeah, that's a really, really interesting point. Um, I've taken up a lot of your time, Dave, and really appreciate it. Um, we wish you all the very best on this on this trip. Um, be actually really interesting to follow up after the tournament and get, and get your thoughts on how things played out and, and that would be much closer to the Australian team 
uh, getting ready for Japan. So thank you very much and all the best uh, in the coming weeks as you get ready to go and represent the country. Yeah, thanks, thanks Stuart. I really appreciate it. I think it's, it's a great opportunity. The, the fans and supporters and families of Australian baseball, you know, they, they normally don't get to, to know what's going on the inside of, of the team. So anytime I can help them, just get information and try to learn about, you know, the national team they're following, I'm more than happy to do it. So I look forward to when I get back having that conversation with you. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.